Hi guys, I'm Marie, and today we are covering the case of Dior Kuntz Jr., who in the summer of 2015 would vanish from a remote campsite in Idaho, and he was just two years old at the time. Dior was born to Jessica and Vernal, who was also known as Dior, but he goes by Vernal. We're going to call him Vernal in this episode. Now, the two were not married, but they had been together since high school. Dior was born on December 30th of 2012, and he was also called Little Man by his family. The couple was young, but seemed over the moon about their little boy. He was a curious toddler and very loving. He loved to collect rocks and play outside. He took his blankie and toy monkey with him everywhere that he went, and he had blonde hair and brown eyes. Now, on July 9 of 2015, the family decided to take a spontaneous camping trip, and they planned to camp, make s'mores, do some fishing, and just enjoy a quiet weekend away. Joining them on this trip would be Jessica's grandfather, Robert Walton, and at this point, Jessica is Robert's caregiver, and he's not in the best of health. But this campground is one of Robert's favorite places, somewhere that he had gone as a youth. His friend Isaac Rainwand, who was much younger than Robert, would also be joining them. And the two had fished together on multiple occasions. Now, Jessica and Vernal had never met Isaac before this trip. But with Robert's failing health, they thought it might be good to have him along to help Robert. They planned a camp in Lador, Idaho, which was a two-hour drive from their home in Idaho Falls. They went to the Timber Creek Campground near the Stone Reservoir. They would choose a secluded campsite that was near the river for easy access to fishing. The road to the campground is very rough, and driving it without a high-clearance vehicle would be very difficult. The campground also had spotty cell service, But since the family was looking for a quiet weekend away, this was not really a negative. The campground has 12 campsites available, and they are on a first-come, first-served basis. They found a remote spot around 10 p.m., although in some reports, it has them arriving at the campground a little earlier. They would set up camp. Grandpa would stay in his trailer. Isaac would pitch a tent, and Jessica, Vernal, and little Dior would sleep in grandpa's SUV. They go to sleep or build a fire first, depending on the account. Now on July 10 in the morning, according to Jessica, Isaac would knock on their window and say something like, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. Kind of creepy, but after breakfast, Jessica realized that she had started her period and she said that they needed to go to the store. Now the closest town was 9.7 miles which would have been about a 28-minute drive. They would get there around 1 p.m. The store that they go to is called the Stage Stop Junction, and it is open 24 hours. It's kind of just a small convenience store. They got what they needed, including some candy for Dior, and headed back to the campsite. When they got back to the campsite, Isaac showed them some fish that he had caught, and they wanted to see where he had caught them. Jessica and Vernal would follow him toward the creek, and they asked Dior if he wanted to go or stay with Grandpa at the campsite. 
He said that he wanted to stay, and Jessica said that she asked Grandpa if he could keep an eye on Dior, and he said that he could, and they headed down to the creek. Now, when they turned around, Dior was following them, and she asked again if he was going to stay with Grandpa, and he turned back and went toward the campsite. Vernal says that after about five minutes, he saw some little minnows that he thought Dior would like, and he went to find him. But when he got to the campsite, Dior was not there, and he asked Grandpa where he was, and he said that he didn't know. They all frantically searched for him for about 30 minutes, and then called 911. Jessica calls from the campsite while Vernal actually jumps in his truck and races down the road where he thought he might be able to get better service. 1428 4 2nd July 10, 2015. What's the address of your emergency? Um, I'm actually camping in Ledor, just outside of Ledor. Uh-huh. Um, my two-year-old son, um, we can't find him. What's your name? Jessica. Jessica who? Mitchell. How long has he been missing? About an hour. An hour? Yeah. Are you by water? Yes. Okay, stay on the phone with me, okay? Okay. I'm going to put you on hold. John? I need. Do you know which campground you're in? What? Timber Creek. Pardon me? Uh, it's Stone Reservoir, Timber Creek. Stone Reservoir? Yeah, or Timber Creek. Hold on. We need search and rescue. Jessica? Jessica? Yeah? What's your son's name? What is it? Your O-R-R. What's his first name? That's his first name. B-O-R-R. B-O-R-R. O-R. Just O-R-R? Okay. What is he wearing? He was wearing cowboy boots, a blue um, pair, like pajama pants, and a camel jacket. And he's got shaggy blonde hair. How tall is he? Hello? I'm not exactly sure how he's about to are you there? Yeah. Okay. Is your husband calling too? Like, all down where we were camping at, and we can't find him at all. Okay. Hang on. Do you know how far outside of Ledor you are? What? It's the turnoff right after, like, the general store in the post office in Ledor, and it's at Timber Creek. As you're going up over the pass? Um, if you're in Ledor and you're at the, like, gas station, 
you take the street on the left-hand side, right across the street from the gas station, and go straight out that street. Is it a paved road? Um, no. Okay, as you're headed towards Letter, you take a right on the street across the street from the gas station. It would be a left. A left. Yeah. And, it, and there's a sign that says, like, Timber Creek and okay, stuff from, like that. And you're going to, like, from Idle Falls? Yeah. Okay. Hang on just a second. She said you take a left on the street just past the gas station as you're coming in from Idle Falls. And it says Timber Creek. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we need you to stay within cell service. We've okay. got people going on, on the way. Thank you. Um, wait a minute. And you keep us updated with anything that's going on, okay? Okay. All right. Don't don't go away from cell service. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So while Jessica's 911 call is going on, Vernal's 911 call comes in to another dispatcher, and you can hear it in the background of Jessica's call. Sheriffs would respond by 3.45 p.m. So within just over an hour, they're at the campground. Search and rescue would respond with search dogs, drones, ATVs, people on horseback and on foot, a helicopter with heat radar was called in, Timber Creek and Stone Reservoir were high-priority search areas since ending up in the water would be deadly for the small toddler. Divers were in the lake and searchers were crawling in the creek to make sure that they didn't miss anything. The woods, the campground, the hiking trails, the ATV trails would all be searched. Their main focus was on a 2.5-mile radius of the campground. And the campground is kind of surrounded by high mountains, creating a sort of bowl that the campground resides in, and searchers believe that Dior would have to be in that area. The Stone Reservoir is about a quarter mile from their campsite, so close enough that he could have made it there. The outhouses were probed on day one of the search, and by two, they were actually pumped out. Dior's prized blankie, sippy cup, and toy monkey were all found at the campsite, and both of his parents swore that he would never go anywhere without them. By Monday, no sign of Dior has been found, and Jessica and Vernal would leave the campground and sit down for their first interview with media. We're looking for you, son, and we will find you, and we love you more than anything in the world. You have a lot of people who love you and are looking for you. Buddy will find you. We'll Daddy will find you. looking until we get you home. The search would go on for 10 days before the search would be scaled down, and not one clue of little Dior was found. Not even his shoes, which his parents said were far too big for him, and in fact, they said that he even had trouble walking in them. There would, of course, be multiple sightings of Dior. There's one at a hotel room where a little boy walked into a lobby alone, 
and he looked so much like Dior that police would track the family down and determine that it was not Dior, but the boy had just gotten away from his parents. By July 20 of 2015, Frank Velt, a private investigator, would come to help. And he had been with the U.S. Marshal Service for 19 years. He was very experienced with criminal case and missing persons. But by September, just two months later, he would announce that he was no longer taking part in the search for Dior. On September 25 of 2015, he wrote a letter to Jessica and Vernal. It said, As I previously informed you today, via my text message to your cellular telephone at 8.31 a.m., I am withdrawing from the investigation because of circumstances beyond my control, including, but not limited to, a breach of trust on your part concerning your refusal to allow me to take this case national. I am perplexed as to why you did not want me to advertise the $20,000 reward. I was willing to put up personal funds in the hopes that the public could provide information leading to the whereabouts of your son. When I agreed to assist you, I informed you that I would work for you out of my pocket expenses. I was willing to forego my normal hourly fee. My stipulation was that both of you would be absolutely truthful. I told both of you that if I felt that you were not telling me the truth, stalling me or otherwise misleading me, that I would withdraw from the investigation. In my professional opinion, both of you lied and misrepresented the true facts that could solve the mystery of your missing son. There are other aspects of this case that I cannot go into at this time, but simply put, I believe that the searches will be non-productive. The searches are only used by you to cover a possible crime that one or both of you may have committed. My suggestion is that you fully cooperate with the Lehigh County Sheriff and tell the truth. I do not appreciate the fact that one or both of you are spreading rumors that you have paid me. I have not received reimbursement to cover my expenses. I also feel that you are exploiting the public for financial gain. How can you live with yourselves? Sooner or later, the truth will come out. Well, that is very interesting. So this private investigator gets involved. He's out there searching for Dior. He wants to put up a ransom, a ransom. He wants to put up a reward. And after two months of interacting with the family, interviewing, he pulls out of the investigation. On October 15 of 2015, a large search is organized by Search and Rescue in an attempt to find Dior before winter sets in, but nothing is found. In November of 2015, the family hires Philip Klein, another private investigator. Philip Klein would bring four members of his investigative team in, and they would interview everyone separately. And for me, this is where things get a little interesting. From Vernal's interview, some highlights. Vernal reveals that he did not want to go camping at all. And he also said, I think grandpa knows more than he's saying. It is my fault for allowing Bob to watch my child, but I will never forgive Bob for letting my son out of his sight. I will never forgive him. 
He's asked during the interview if he trusts Jessica. And he said, when it comes to my son, I did. When it comes to like any life decisions, no. He said, the only thing I could ever, that I ever thought, was maybe she knew something about Bob and was worried about Bob spending what life he's got left in prison. And that was eating at her. Interesting. Now, Jessica, when asked why she left her son with grandpa, who's on oxygen and in failing health, she said, because he was tired and I knew that he wanted to hang out with grandpa. She said, and this is interesting, I don't care if it's my grandpa that's guilty. I don't care. I just want my son back. Hmm. Now, in regard to the trip to the store, Jessica said that she did notice a man there looking at Dior, but when police tracked the man down, he was just a local guy that was having coffee there. He did that every morning, and they don't believe he's involved in any way, and he said that he had no recollection of seeing a small child when he was in the store. Another story that Jessica tells during her interview, which I think is kind of wild. She says that police found a shovel at the campsite and when they picked it up, it had some dirt and mud on it and one blonde hair. She said she went to grab the hair and the wind blew it off the shovel. She said that they did pull Isaac off to the side and question him about the shovel. And when he came back, she said that he was running his hands along the handle of the shovel and she didn't understand why he would be touching it. I would like to hear police perspective on this situation. I didn't hear about or read about this one hair that was on the shovel. I did see that there was a shovel at the campsite and both grandpa and Isaac said that grandpa always traveled with a shovel when he went fishing and camping. So it did seem to belong to him. Grandpa Bob's interview was very interesting as well. They asked him, did they ask you to watch Little Dior? And he said, that's what I hear. Not yes, not no, but that's what I hear. They asked him if he was affectionate with the baby and he said, no, I don't pick kids up and stuff like that. Give them kisses like the women. No, sir. He was asked about Isaac, and he was asked if he trusted him. And he said, with what? And they asked to watch Dior. He said, no. And they asked to not steal your money. He said, no. They asked why he was friends with him, and he said that was a good question. And then later on in the interview, he does say that he better shut up before he gets into trouble. He also said, what's done is done. They can always have another child. And I didn't see under what context this comment was made. I saw this in an article that was reporting about the interview because I couldn't find grandpa's full interview online. I could only find Uh, bits and pieces of it that have been sliced together. So I don't know what in reference that comment was made to, but I kind of don't like it. 
Also, when he got up to use the bathroom, the investigator realized that he had actually peed himself. And they make a big deal about this. They even go back to Jessica and imply that he did this because he knew something and he was guilty. Um, But I don't know. He's for sure a sick old man. So I don't know how crazy this is. Now, all of them do make comments about Isaac, about him being odd, about him being weird, saying that they didn't really know him and didn't really trust him. But what I found most interesting was the three different versions that came out of these interviews. The first story was that Grandpa was fishing down by the water when that he took his eyes off him for just a second and then he was gone. The second story is that Dior was with him at the campsite. And the third story is that he was sleeping in his trailer when Dior went missing. And Isaac also, in one of his little interviews with a reporter, makes comment about grandpa sleeping in his trailer when Dior went missing. Now, there's no interview of Isaac by Klein, um, but there's a lot of snippets of Isaac being interviewed by other people throughout time. And his story pretty much stays the same the entire time. He does say that Dior was for sure 100% at the campground. And he says a lot that he doesn't want to speculate on what happened, that he doesn't know what happened, that he doesn't want to blame anybody for anything. But he stays consistent with his story, which is that Jessica, Vernal, and Dior come back to the campsite after going to the store, although he says to go get gas, which they did get gas while they were there as well. They come back. He shows them some fish. They want to see where he got the fish from. They follow him down to the creek. He doesn't know where Dior is at this point. He leaves them at the creek and he heads further down the creek to do more fishing himself. And then the next thing he knows, grandpa is telling him that Dior is missing. And some time had gone by before he's aware that anything is wrong. Now in January of 2016, police would make a shocking announcement they would say that they believe the disappearance of Dior is a homicide and that all four adults there that day are considered persons of interest. Sheriff Lynn Bowerman said, I believe his parents are hiding something. There is no doubt in my mind. We gave them every opportunity to explain if it was an accident of some kind, and they haven't. This makes me think that they're is a lot of information that we do not know. Because for police to say that all four adults are persons of interest and that they believe this is a homicide seems very bold to me. Jessica would be interviewed again, and she was offered a plea deal for immunity if she would tell police where Dior was. But she stuck to her story or at least a version of her story that she had already given. 
something that I found odd after this interview, which was six hours long, where Jessica is basically accused of murdering and hiding her baby's body or having something to do with it, Vernal picks Jessica up from the police station and they go straight to a sex shop. Here they bought something called Clone My Willy and some other items. Which, I mean, maybe there's nothing to this, but I think the last thing that would be on my mind after a six-hour interview with police where they are insinuating that I had something to do with not only the disappearance of my son, but the possible murder of my son. I don't know. That night, Jessica would talk to Carolyn, who I believe is one of the investigators with Klein. And when Jessica told her that she had failed the polygraph, she asked her, well, do you know where he is? And she responded with, on the mountain. And she said, are you telling me he's on the mountain? And she said, well, yeah, well, that's where I left him last. Which, I mean, I don't know. To me, that doesn't sound incriminating or anything. It sounds like, well, yeah, he's got to be on the mountain because that's where we were. But Jessica has also said in many interviews that she believed that Dior had been abducted. So if she believes that, then he most likely wouldn't be on the mountain anymore. So we know now that police believe multiple or one of the adults at the campground were involved in Dior's disappearance. So as a reminder, we have Isaac, grandpa's friend, who is an ex-con. He seems somewhat mentally disabled, maybe a little on the slow side, and he is described as an odd duck by pretty much everyone. Now, police do say that he has been the most consistent with his story and seems to be the only one being 100% honest with them. I've watched videos and interviews with him and he does seem sincere um, as far as not knowing what happened that day. We also have Grandpa Robert who has a history of violence and a temper. He's got changing stories, but he's also on oxygen and has trouble getting around. So I think it would have been difficult for him to pull something off by himself, but could he be covering something up? Possibly. We also have Jessica and Vernal, parents, who failed multiple polygraphs, and their stories have changed a lot. Little details, big details, all sorts of things have changed. Another thing that's pointed out by a lot of people is that Jessica does have two previous children, And she does not have custody of them, which could mean nothing, could mean something, I don't know. Now, in March of 2016, Philip Klein is fired. Now, he would voice concerns that one of the adults there that day might have been involved and that Jessica and Vernal were not being honest with him. And... That announcement was made the day before he was fired. He would release some statements over time. One being that his very first meeting with the family took place at Tina's house, which is Jessica's mom. He said, it was a surreal meeting. Jessica and Vernal were sitting next to each other. 
Vernal was sitting on the love seat and Jessica was sitting between his legs and they were holding hands in kind of a reverse way. But there was not one bit of emotion. I've been doing this for 31 years and I can tell you there is not one missing child case I've ever been to where there has not been extreme emotion in the room. With that said, Vernal's sister, Tanisha, was in the room and she was very emotional. She cried. She acted like there was a missing child. Trina showed a bit of emotion. There were a couple of men in the room that shed tears, but mom and dad did not shed a tear. They showed no emotion. And when we got in the car, the first thing we did was close the door and look at each other and went, oh God, we've got a problem here. Now, this interview would have taken place in November of 2015. So that's about four months after Dior went missing. I think you also have to consider that they had a bad experience with their first private investigator who accused them of being involved. And not only that, but... Klein was actually the one that reached out to them about getting hired and brought into the case. So maybe they don't exactly trust his motives. Or maybe they're guilty. But it sounds like Klein made up his mind pretty quick that something was off. In 2016, Jessica and Vernal are evicted from their home. When they leave, they leave behind a bunch of belongings. And the landlord lets authorities know that he's going to throw out their things and if they want to come and take a look before he does, they can. There are a lot of toys, there's a lot of clothes, and among the clothing, they would find a camo jacket, Dior's camo jacket. And it appears to be the exact same one that he had been wearing when he went missing which is damning for sure. Now, could Dior have had more than one camo jacket? I would think that's possible. But according to investigators that did find this jacket, they said that it was the exact one in the pictures that the parents had showing Dior wearing the jacket. Reports also say that a family friend used a credit card with seemingly purchases of items unknown to investigators in testimony. I don't know what that's about, but it is noted in the report. Now, it wasn't long after this that the couple actually splits up and police would interview them again in hopes that one of them would change their story, but neither did. In April of 2019, the family hires another private investigator named David Marshburn, and I don't we don't really hear a lot about his portion of the investigation. In June of 2019, a bonus found at the campground. Investigators would announce that after testing, it had no human DNA and likely belonged to an animal. In June of 2019, also, Grandpa Bob dies taking any knowledge that he had about the disappearance of Dior to his grave. Life moves on. Jessica remarries. Vernal continues driving trucks. I think I read somewhere that he eventually remarries as well. But in October of 2019, Philip Klein 
releases another statement. He says, We the investigators in the case stand next to our opinion and conclusions based upon our investigation and law enforcement's investigation that not only is Vernal Kuntz a person of interest, but a suspect in the disappearance of Dior Kuntz Jr. We, the investigators in the case, stand next to our opinions and conclusions based upon our investigation and law enforcement investigation that not only is Jessica Mitchell Anderson a person of interest, but also a suspect in the disappearance of Dior Kuntz Jr. They also said, What we have seen by both parties in the media has been nothing but a sickening example of deflection of an event that in our opinion was most probably an accident and cover-up. He said, Everything cannot be verified between 8 a.m. and 2.26 p.m. when the 911 call was made. We can't verify anything. I mean nothing. Zero. Donut hole. A couple things I want to take a closer look at. First one being the trip to the store, which you just heard from Klein. They can't verify any part of that day, right? So... The couple leaves the campground in a hurry because Jessica needed feminine products, but she says that they made four stops before going to the store for her, and this was to find diesel fuel. According to her, Vernal said, I have to get diesel fuel now. That's my first priority. Now, the clerk at the store does not remember Dior at all, and no other witness can be found that had seen him on this trip. They also said that there was a beer truck driver that interacted with Dior and even let him sit in the cab of his truck. They gave police the name of the beer company, and when they tracked it down, they discovered that it had been out of business for years. They did track down the company that did deliver beer to the convenience store that day, and he said that he would never let a small child into the cab of his truck and would surely be fired if he did and has no recollection of little Dior. So the guy drinking coffee at the gas station doesn't remember him. The clerk doesn't remember him. Nobody at any of the gas stations or places they stopped remembered him. So basically, there's just nobody that saw Dior with his parents out and about that day. Does that mean that he wasn't? Not necessarily, it just means that nobody saw him. And by the way, there are no cameras. The 911 calls, let's look at those for a second. So there's two 911 calls. Jessica's call comes in at 2.28, but Vernal's call actually comes in at 2.26. So he jumps in his truck and heads down the road. But Jessica makes her call right from the campground. So why does she wait after Vernal starts his call, which means if he drove a mile and a half, I mean, she she waited quite a while and maybe she was wandering around trying to get service. I'm not sure. Very strange. There are people who say that in the background of Jessica's call, they can hear people talking and you can hear talking. It, it's hard to tell if it's coming from Jessica's background or from the background in the 911 room. 
because you do hear Vernal's call come in. Like you hear the 911 operator talking to Vernal. So it could be grandpa who's in the background or Isaac of Jessica's call and the 911 in the background on the other end. Jessica does seem very distracted. Twice she doesn't answer the 911 operator's questions, but she also has spotty service. So could she be cutting in and out? I'm not sure. A lot of people say that she does not sound panicked. I think she sounds very, very stressed out. You can hear a little bit of a shake in her voice. She's probably in a little bit of shock at this point, so I'm not sure that you can gauge anything from that. I mean, we've listened to 911 calls. You can tear them apart. People have picked hers apart. Um, I don't know. In her written statement, she does say that after her 911 call, she emptied her pockets into the passenger seat of Vernal's truck, which is supposedly a mile and a half away. But we know that Vernal hung up with 911 before her. Could he have gone back to the campsite? And then sometime soon after Jessica gets off the phone, he's there and then she puts her pockets her, the contents of her pockets into the passenger seat of his truck. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure that the statement says how long it was in between the end of her call and when she did that, but that is in her written statement. Also in the call, she says that he's been missing for about an hour, which is longer than what her statement says because her statement is that they went down to the water and Vernal within a few minutes, five minutes, maybe 10, leaves the area to go and find him. So, and then they searched for a half hour, but she could just be rounding as well. They do have a receipt stamped for 12.38 p.m., which if they left town at 12.38, they would have arrived back in the campground around 1.10. 911 call is at 2.36 so that kind of lines up with the hour time frame. It's also said that Vernal called his dad when he went to drive to call 911, but it seems like at some point he denies this, which is just another inconsistency. But other than that, I didn't find the 911 call particularly alarming or insincere or anything along those lines. To me, it just seemed like a 911 call. Now, there is the battery. So in March of 2016, during an interview that Vernal and Jessica are sitting through, the interviewer stops the interview and says that the battery has run out on one of the cameras and says, let's pause here so that we can change it. While they're changing the battery, the other camera is still rolling and During this time, Vernal says to Jessica, has, don't say had, you can't do that, which is in reference to her using the past tense when talking about their son. She just kind of shakes her head and rolls her eyes and they move on from there. She seems annoyed, he seems annoyed, and some people look at her using the past tense as a sign of guilt But if you believe that your son is dead, I don't think it's that crazy. And it's been 
months and months at this point. So I don't know how crazy that is. I get that he wants her to use present tense. It just seems like a silly thing to call her out for, Uh, like a controlling thing kind of. So there's also the diaper, which is the only physical evidence found of Dior basically at the campsite. And it is found hanging in a tree by Jessica's mom who found it after arriving at the campsite. And as far as I know, this diaper was never tested because why would they? It's a dirty diaper. There's a dirty, there's a dirty, there's a toddler who wears diapers missing who had been staying at this campsite. And one of the scent dogs, Chance, he does hit on this tree where the diaper had been hanging. But he doesn't hit anywhere else in the campsite. So not near the fire pit or the chairs or anywhere else. But he does hit on the back of Vernal's truck. Now, police do dig in the area where the dog hits, which is where Vernal's truck had been parked. And they do find a buried dog there. So the scent dog could have been responding to that as well. The scent dog also hits near a cattle guard where police had found loose dirt and where Vernal had made his 911 call. They dig in that area and find nothing. Another scent dog hits on something near the reservoir, and this intensified the search at the lake at the time. But investigators would later find out that someone had actually put the cremains of their loved one in the lake during the time that they're searching for Dior. So we don't know if Dior actually went to the lake, but that's all kind of interesting. So... I think the reason the diaper is kind of a big deal is because there's a lot of people that don't believe Dior was ever at the campsite. We have four adults that say he was, but nobody else outside of the four adults ever laid eyes on him. No one in town on their trip, no one along their route from home to the campground They even say that they stopped at Walmart and every minute of footage from that Walmart was scoured and they could not find him in any of it. Klein said, we went through, law enforcement went through, everybody went through every single camera there is to have around and there is no Dior. The cameras all over the Walmart all over the gas station, they said they went to everywhere between A and B, and there is no Dior. Another thing is pictures. So on this trip, or the drive, or their first night, or the morning and afternoon of their first day, not one picture was taken of Dior by anyone which Jessica was constantly taking and posting pictures of Dior on everything that they did. 
Jessica said that they didn't really have service, but this would not prevent you from taking pictures, only from posting them. So the picture issue is kind of a bigger issue that I have out of all of these issues. Are the parents lying? Yes. Intentionally, not intentionally, maybe we don't know, but they failed multiple polygraphs, including the ones issued by the FBI. Jessica would say in later interviews about Vernal, I don't 100% know if he's capable or incapable of hurting my child or not. And if they can prove that Vernal had something to do with it, then I'll believe it. So let's talk about that for a second. If Jessica's telling the truth about what happened at the campsite, then Bernal did not have time or opportunity to kill her son. So was she lying then or is she deflecting now because people are coming for her? I don't know. But I also find the hair on the shovel kind of a crazy story. I would like to see that substantiated. Philip Klein would also say that... A cell phone impact study did not show that the parents were being honest. But law enforcement has not commented on this, so I don't know if it's true. Their stories have changed many, many times. So, like I said, lying intentionally or unintentionally, shock, who knows, but they're definitely lying about things. So, theories. There's a couple. We have animal attack. There are bears, mountain lions, but an animal attack seems very unlikely to law enforcement and to me. No screams were heard. No blood has ever been found. His shoes were not found, which if he was drugged off by an animal, you would think that they would be left behind. So I think animal attack is one of the most unlikely theories in this case. We then have the cooler theory. So this is how it goes. Jessica and Isaac head down to the creek to do some fishing. And Vernal goes to do some work on his truck while grandpa is just hanging out at the campsite or sleeping in his trailer. Vernal has Dior with him while he's working on his truck. And at some point, he accidentally backs over the child. He then puts him in a cooler and buries it about a mile and a half away at the cattle guard in the road. Now, after Dior went missing, missing, Vernal drives to the cattle guard while looking. He also makes his 911 call from here, and he goes back there after the 911 call. And the theory is that at one of these times, he moves the cooler to a different location. Also, one of the dogs did hit on the cattle guard and there was loose dirt there where a hole had been dug, but there was nothing in the hole. There was also blood found on the bumper of Vernal's truck, but it had been washed and DNA could not be detected, which I've seen this theory in a couple places, this cooler theory. I don't know where it started. There was a tip made by somebody that said this is what happened, but 
Other than that, the only thing that makes this theory even a little plausible is the fact that the blue cooler from the campground is missing. It's not part of the inventory that was found there. And Grandpa and Isaac both confirmed that there was a blue cooler there that weekend. So we also have an accident. Um, And this theory runs similar to the cooler theory. Some sort of accident happens and Dior is killed or dies. And in this theory, a lot of times the long trip to the store where they couldn't find gas, where they got lost, is actually when Jessica and Vernal bury or hide Dior before returning to the campsite and pretending that he went missing. Now, Jessica does eventually throw Vernal under the bus and say that he never went down to the creek with her and had been up at the campsite for 20 minutes without her. So, I mean, we, I don't know. Uh, Isaac does say that Dior came back from the store and I don't know if he actually saw him or just is assuming he's back because they're talking about him staying with grandpa and things like that. I really don't know. Another theory is abduction. Investigators don't seem to think that this is very plausible. There's only one road in and out And it would be very difficult to come into the campground without being seen or heard by the adults that are there. So it would have to really be somebody on foot that got really lucky to find Dior unattended for that short period of time. There is a witness at the grocery store in town that says that she saw a scruffy man with a little boy matching Dior's description. But in her account, this was later in the day, like closer to 6 p.m., and she said that they were in a black truck. Now, Vernal does drive a black truck, and this could not have been him around 6 p.m. because police were already at the campsite with him by then. But Vernal says it was probably him and she just got the time wrong. But what if it was actually Dior with his abductor? And they just happen to also be in a black truck. I don't know. I feel like they wouldn't still be hanging around the area by 6 p.m. But abduction is what the parents leaned on pretty heavy on in the beginning. But authorities never really seemed to think this was probable. The other theory is just simply that the parents did it. Would they do something like this with a stranger along? Because remember, they don't know Isaac, but they also didn't invite him. It seems like it would be difficult for all four adults to keep this secret under pressure from police, multiple interviews, and all of these things. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm not sure what motive the parents would have for doing something intentionally to him. The other theory is Isaac did it. The only problem I have with that is that Isaac was really never alone with Dior. He kind of lacked opportunity more than anybody else, I think. Grandpa had opportunity if he was watching Dior at the campsite, but he was in poor health and he may have been alone with Dior, but then what? What did he do with Dior? Or is everybody covering something up? The final theory is that Dior wandered off and he's lost out there. And 
just hasn't been found. I would say that the search area, in my opinion, is too small. This 2.5 mile radius around the campsite, children can move really fast and unpredictable and they make it a lot further than most adults think they're capable of. There have been multiple cases documented too where small children went up very, very steep areas after going missing. So I don't know. I don't know that they can say they have 100% cleared any area. I mean, it's so hard to check under every single bush and every single tree and every single area that he could have gotten to. The problem with this theory is no trace of him has been found. Where are his boots? How did he make it so far if he is outside of this search area with these boots that are way too big for him? There was one story that I thought of when I was researching this case, and that was Jared Adadero. He was three years old when he went missing in 99. He was hiking with a group on Big South Trail in Colorado, and the search for him was extensive, but no sign of Jared was found until three and a half years later when hikers who were off trail found a shoe And near the shoe, they would find Jared's clothes and what was left of his remains. Now, a dog had alerted on this scree field or near it where he was found, but it was so steep and so difficult that I really don't think searchers believed he had gone up that way. So we know that it can happen. We know that these kids can get into really difficult places. They can get really far away. And I think in some of these cases where really young children have gone missing, they just made it further away than authorities thought they would. But yeah, that is the story of Dior Kuntz. What's your theory? What do you think happened to Dior? Did he tragically go missing in the forest? Was he abducted? Did some sort of accident happen? Did his family who's supposed to protect him do something to him? Let me know what you think. Go and look at some of their interviews and see if you think they look guilty, if you think that they look insincere. It's really hard to judge how somebody else will handle a situation like this. But yeah, let me know what you guys think and I will talk to you soon. Bye. One.